Welcome to the XR Magazine podcast. I am Diana Olenik, your host, and today we're going to be speaking with Daisy Leek, an executive producer from Magnobus. Daisy is a seasoned producer and she really keeps on pushing boundaries to shape immersive experiences of the future. She brings more than 13 years of experience to her role as director of production at Magnobus working on Emmy-nominated Mission ISS and the multi-award winning Expo Dubai Explorer for Expo 2020. She loves working with technology and entertainment teams to solve problems that push augmented virtual and mixed reality experiences to a whole new level. At Magnobus, they really work from narrative storytelling to interactive real-time immersive experiences. They've done it all over the years. They've worked with entertainment studios, tech giants, sports franchises, luxury fashion, and literally the Rolls Royce of the automotive industry. They've been constantly pushing the boundaries on what's possible. They, for example, created the recent experience that is for AR Disney, the first interactive content on Disney, which is a pioneering AR experience perfectly paired with the Disney Plus original short film Remembering, giving Disney subscribers a glimpse of what a fictional magical world in their own living room. They also were the creators for the Expo 2020 Dubai, the massive cross-reality multiplayer experience where they populated the AR spectacles and digital activations tied to broader themes and activities. Such a fun project. Sony, Lion King, NASA, Pandora. Wow, so many projects and we cannot wait to begin this amazing interview with Daisy. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Daisy, for being here today. I'm super excited. Please let us know, how are you doing today? I'm great. I mean, I'm I'm located here in our Los Angeles office in downtown in my nice little sound booth. So I, I got through the traffic and, you know, the weather's looking better. It's not as cold as it was a couple of days ago. So I'm feeling, feeling good today. So Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I'm here in Canada and it's snowing today a lot, but it's a beautiful <laughs> day. It feels like Christmas. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. So let's get started by get to know a little bit about Magnopus and how did all of these amazing studio got started? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, our organization started back with our founders, Alex and Ben. And, you know, really what their mission was when they started Magnopus was that they came from the visual effects world doing movies like Hugo and other Oscar winning films. And what they found was that they were building these worlds that would go into a film that you'd watch like once or maybe twice. And then all of that work to recreate that and to make that environment just kind of got, you know, put away. And so they look towards the future and things like virtual reality, augmented reality. We're trying to figure out, like, how do we create experiences that not only allow people to feel like they're in a space that maybe doesn't exist or maybe exists and the physical reality and how they blend that together. And so that's really kind of the, I guess, the thought starter of how the company started was that they wanted to be able to bridge digital and physical together and make that feel real and make that accessible to people. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for that intro. So what were the main challenges at the beginning trying to bring or transition into all of these other media, which is virtual reality, augmented reality? What challenges did you find there? 
I mean, like overall, I mean, between the different projects we've done, and to be honest, it still is a little bit of a challenge today, is that technology is constantly evolving. Like the the solutions that we had back when this, the company started, and even the solutions that we had on projects we started a couple of years ago, change so rapidly now that you constantly will need to be up to date about what's the latest in terms of augmented reality, in terms of AI, in terms of you know, uh, what's going on with the Unity or Unreal or whatever engine that you're going to end up using, right? And and it's not, it's all positive because the way that the industry moves forward, they're, they're always trying to trend in the way where it makes it easier, quicker, smarter, or more immersive to create content, but you have to keep up with that. And I feel like that's always been a challenge that we like at Magnopus is like, oh man, what's the latest, newest cutting edge version of something that we can be working with to stretch the bounds of what's possible? But we have to be real that it is a challenge. It's like, you know, you're trying to evolve while something is also in movement. And so I feel like that's always kind of the challenge our technologists have, our designers have, and our artists have every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Especially now I see a lot of uh, platforms with uh, artificial intelligence solutions, right? And yep. I can see more and more how this is going to merge a little bit with virtual reality as well, with augmented reality as well, and uh, produce things that maybe we don't have to do manually ourselves, like, for example, 3D models. We're excited yeah. waiting for that. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's those sorts of things like, you know, we've done a lot of projects and we've also done a lot of internal projects where we're looking at that and saying like, okay, what parts can artificial intelligence help us with? And then what parts do we still need human touch with, right? Because at the end of the day, it can take you so far, right? Like I know that there's plenty of things like out on the internet where it's just like, you know, what does music with artificial intelligence sound like versus like if a musician does it? And like you said, like, what does a model look like when it's artificially generated versus if an artist does it? And I think similar to our approach at Magnopus, where we want to see a hybrid of the digital world and the physical world together, I feel like there's going to be that when it comes to things like artificial intelligence. It's going to be what, how far can it bring it? And then how can a person, a developer, an artist take it to that next level that makes it feel unique? Mm-hmm. Have you had any particular applications of that yet? Um, if you have any, if you'd like to share a little bit of what, which ones are you potentially using right now or for, for in terms of artificial intelligence in the workflows? I mean, ultimately, we have worked with different companies like Pinscreen who do uh, machine learning around like recreation of avatars. And so they're they're a really great group that is out of West Los Angeles. And we work with them on several projects um, to be able to, again, like, you know, physical recreation of a person is such an intimate thing, right? Where you're just like either where you're either trying to recreate somebody who's real or you're trying to create some kind of augmentation of that. And that's the one that we've dealt with the most. Because again, it is one of the harder things to kind of really realize whether you're working in virtual reality or you're creating some kind of uh, representation of an individual in augmented reality. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really exciting. Thank you so much for sharing that. So there is a beautiful, um, I call your works, there is a beautiful work out there that you did that is called Mission ISS. And yeah. I am very excited to know a little bit about that. How was all the process behind the background, the story? Because here at the podcast, we believe that sometimes we see these beautiful experiences in the stores, in the Oculus store, for example, but we don't know the background, the thing that yeah. connects us humanly and how, how that product was built. So could you let us know a little bit of how was all the concept created and developed? 
Thank you. Yeah, of course, of course. I know that um, Mission ISS, especially for our founders, Ben and Alex, is one of their favorite virtual reality experiences that we built. And the reason being is it's it's kind of twofold. One is that, um, you know, we worked with partnership with NASA and then also um, with Meta, which was Oculus at the time, uh, to recreate this experience where, you know, we could provide accessibility for people to actually go to the International Space Station and not have to be the risk of learning how to be an astronaut or having to be doing space travel. And so in that, the two things that um, really got us excited about it is that when we made the concepts for it, we really just used camera footage of Mission ISS and we took the actual design plans of the of the space station and tried to replicate it as best we could one for one. So like we weren't, you know, doing anything in terms of visualization or making it look more dressed up. It was like, no, we really want to have people feel like they're there. And so let's take the designs. Let's actually get camera footage from astronauts who are on Mission ISS. Let's take camera footage of what it looks like to look at the Earth, like through one of the portals in in Mission ISS. And so we then spent our time working with, again, NASA and getting verification around like, cool, we're going to place these objects in Mission ISS here. We're going to put these patches on on some of the objects that are here. We're going to put these tools in this area. Is that actually where they are? Like, is this where you do the docking? And so for us, it was more of an exercise of how do we get it to be as realistic as possible so that then people who will never go to Mission ISS really can feel what it feels like to be an astronaut. But then additionally, and more more rewardingly, I would say for us, is that we actually put real astronauts who have been to Mission ISS in Mission ISS. And they're like, wow, I feel like I'm there. Like this, this feels like representation of what it feels like to be there. And so that's, you know, that was really kind of our goal at the end of the day is like, how do we make it feel like a true reality digitally? Yeah, that sounds super exciting. Um, I know creating something of these, of this scope might be super complex. We'd like to know a little bit about the challenges in making these experiences. I, I know about optimization. There were some yep. challenges with optimization and transferring and being able, as you mentioned, to allow accessibility for other devices. So how, how did you go on uh, around all of this? Yeah, of course. I think the two, I think if I want to categorize two of those challenges, I think it's, one of it's a design perspective challenge and one of it was um, a visual and artistic challenge, right? So, of course, making something look photo real is going to be a lot of um, optimization and weight on the machine, right? So ultimately, our artists had to go in and our technical artists had to go in and say, okay, like what thing, like what textures, what lighting, what elements do we want to bake? What things do we need to make live? Like what, where are we going to get the most bang for our buck when it comes to the visual look? And especially when we wanted to make Mission ISS more accessible, not only on the Rift, but wanting to bring it to the Quest. And then we even have a version of it that was on Gear VR for a while. And so really taking that and saying like, great, we have super high visual quality on Rift and we have you know made a couple cuts and optimizations here, there, and to make sure it runs optimally. But now that you're having to bring it to a more accessible device that doesn't necessarily have the GPU or the CPU required for that, what are even more of those things that you need to bake in, like that you need to compress, but still don't lose the nuance and lose the reality of what you're trying to create? Wow. So that was a huge art technical challenge that our team had to take on. And again, using using techniques that I, I don't want to say are standard, but are the first things you look to do. How do you bake down some of your textures? How do you bake in some of your lighting? But still make sure that it's positioned in a way that the user isn't um, doesn't notice that that's the case, right, in terms of like the shadows, et cetera. Um, another challenge that we had, which um, is an interesting one, is that 
two of the things that really make Mission ISS feel unique um, from a design perspective is one, trying to replicate zero gravity. Because again, you're sitting at home in a very gravity-centric earth <laughs> and you're trying to make someone feel as if they're in a place where it doesn't, where gravity does not exist. And so for that challenge, there was a lot of back and forth about like, what are the gestures with the hand controls, whether you're doing that in a rift, whether you're doing that on a quest, or ultimately when you're doing a gear, uh, gear VR with a wand, right? And so we had a lot of um, design cycles with our prototypers and our designers to actually just try out what felt like it worked because it was really kind of a feeling, right? Versus like, we'll take this design approach and then we'll tackle it this way. It was really kind of like trial and error. But through those cycles and doing those iterations, we found the right... Uh, for lack of a better word, recipe to be able to say, cool, if you like project, if you project a person and have them move like this, if you make it, if you basically throttle how you feel when you're pulling down up and down with one of your controllers, that replicates zero gravity fairly well. And of course, some users have sensitivity to that. We've noticed when they play and 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 to be fair, that's kind of the sensitivity you feel in zero gravity is what astronauts tell us. So I feel like we nailed that, but that was really about cycles and iterations, which we think, feel like for design are really important. Like you're never going to nail it the first time. So you should always bake in time with your design to iterate, iterate, iterate until it feels great. So yeah, oh, that sounds super awesome. Like going through all of those, uh, yeah, changes and iterations, as you mentioned, and learning from that experience. Yeah. So it seems that you also implemented roll while floating. Yes. Did you have any technical challenges doing that? Yeah, I mean, from a technical perspective, like, again, we have a lot of smart and talented engineers at the organization. So um, doing the actual implementation of it was not necessarily difficult. But again, it was that it's that feeling piece, right? Like, because mm -hmm. there's plenty of times, myself included, when we were trying to go through and build that where I'm like, oh, I'm going to vomit. Like, I'm pretty yeah. good like yeah. in, in virtual reality. But like, you still want to make people comfortable. You don't want to make them so uncomfortable mm -hmm. that they don't want to be in the experience, right? And so there was a lot of, again, challenges when it came to like usability testing. We were putting different people on headsets here. We were putting other folks at Oculus and headsets being like, hey, try this. Like, is it too much? Like, should we throttle it back a little bit? Because again, we want to be realistic, but we still want it to be comfortable. We don't want someone to be adversely put off by it. Because again, we're not training astronauts with this, but at the same time, we want to replicate as best we can what that looks like. So that challenge for us is more about like doing usability testing inside of those design cycles to make that feel correct with the roll and with the roll and float. Um, but again, we did make some of those concessions because you're trying to replicate. You don't necessarily need to be one for one when it comes to that kind of reality. Yeah, that's awesome. And also, it seems that there are different activities that people can do there, right? Like trying to with a dog in the similar way, how it is placed, walking outside as well. How many of those activities were you able to, to put together in like such a limitation as VR? Yeah, of course. I, you know, the one thing that we did from a design perspective that kind of helps guide people through the experience is that we do have missions, right? So these missions will take you to dock, um, you know, another station on top of the Mission ISS, and then also have you do a spacewalk outside Mission ISS. And really the goal of what those missions are doing is we're trying to invite the user to explore what we've created. So we, we obviously created the interior where you can do very, you can interact with various objects in the space station and you can see videos and you can see clips from actual astronauts that are working in the space station and learn more about what that particular area does. But again, with the with the actual uh, using of the Canada arm right inside of Mission ISS, I think the one thing that was 
also design challenge for us there was that that's a very technical thing to do, right? Like, you know, astronauts train for a very long time to be able to do that effectively. And what's interesting is that we were trying to make it as realistic as possible as well. And then realized it was almost impossible to do, <laughs> like for a normal person to go in and be like, I'm just going to dock this. I'm going to dock this other station on me. Mm -hmm. I remember myself like struggling with it for hours being like, I've played this so much. I can't get it to actually dock. And so mm -hmm. that was another thing where through design and cycles, we figured out like, where was the importance in in replicating what that was like, but then making it easier for a general public to be able to dock it and feel the success of doing that. Mm -hmm. um, similarly for the spacewalk, the thing that's really um, great about doing that portion of it, right, is ultimately when you get out there, I feel like that's one of my favorite parts of Mission ISS is when you leave the actual station and then you see the earth underneath of you wow. and that feeling of just like, wow, how, how expansive it is and honestly, just how brightly colored and how brightly lit it is in space because there's no atmosphere to filter that out for you, right? And that piece of it too, like we realized that during that spacewalk and doing that mission, we wanted to make sure that people got to have that feeling when they got out into that space, but then could find a little bit of grounding by going over and like working on something on mission ISS, which is part of that mission. And so- Again, those were design considerations we did through playtesting and usability where it's like, cool, we're going to give you a highlight of what we want you to experience, which is that great that great perspective of Earth. But we understand that that might feel a little off-putting a little bit to do that for too long. So we'll pull you back over to Mission ISS and have you fix one of the elements on that and then go back inside, inside the station. So again, really using missions as an opportunity to help promote exploration in the experience uh, and then ultimately... As a user, if you choose not to do that, you don't have any, how do I say, um, shortcomings in the experience. You can choose to explore as much as you would like. So, Yeah, that's that's amazing because that's one of the challenges sometimes that happens when in the creation process in virtual reality and mental reality is what is that fine line that can help us replicate something that it seems real, but at the same time, it's not so overwhelming <laughs> in, in, with things that are uh, of this uh, type of scope, for example, going to yeah. space. But it's such a beautiful experience. Thank you so much for sharing about that. I yeah. understand you also created another beautiful experience, which is called Cocovia. Yes. Yeah. Could you let us a little, let us know a little bit about how was the creation of that experience and uh, what is what you enjoy the most when you were uh, making it? Yeah, of course. I think um, for Coco VR, one of the things that was really enjoyable for our team to do is that we worked with Pixar and with the creators of the film and actually got to work with them and bring the the literal world of Coco into VR. Wow. And what I mean by that is they were like, here are the film assets. This is the world of Coco. Like we're going to allow you guys to figure out how does that best represent in virtual reality. And if, you know, I hate to say it, it feels like it's not so long ago, but maybe it was. But when we think about 2017, when we were working on that in 2018, ultimately the um, Pixar and Disney, when they came to us as partners, they're like, hey, we want to understand what's the best way to replicate this. Like, what's the best way to have people explore this this world? Because it's a beautiful world, a beautiful story, but we don't necessarily know how users are going to work inside that environment. And so, for us, the two challenges we had that we were really excited to tackle were one, like how do we actually take this this amazing movie world and actually replicate it in a virtual reality? But then also, how do we guide people through it in a way that makes them feel like they got to enjoy a nice, like loosely, like loosely linear experience, but also got to explore other elements of the world by their own choice? Wow. And so 
so for us, like one was obviously we still have a really great art team and a great technical art team who, you know, did various things in terms of layout of the floor, layout of the actual atmosphere in the first room or uh, in the first room that you enter, which is like the world of Coco and doing different and doing different techniques, like again, baking down textures, doing snapshots of texture so that then we wouldn't uh, so then we could deal with optimization of that. But the part of the experience that I really love the most, apart from it visually being very stimulating all the way throughout, is that um, we made a choice to say, okay, great. Obviously, when you enter this world as a user, you yourself are a skeleton. And so, like, what can skeletons do and what would be fun for you to experience and feel the the surprise and delight of that world, like, when you feel when you watch the film? And so... Same thing, we would do um, several prototyping and design sessions around like what feels fun, like just taking your head off and being able to throw it at somebody feel fun, which ended up being really fun to do. Does it do you want to be part of, um, you know, a performance in that world where you can actually dance and watch and watch different various members of the audience mimic you? That did feel that felt fun, too. So we did it. And so it really was like this amazing production of figuring out what was just fun to do and like what felt like it still fit within the world of Coco and doing that with Disney and doing that with Pixar and having them experience it with us, mm -hmm. I think was one of the most fun ways to develop a project and design a project was to find the fun through experimentation and through design cycles like that. Yeah, that sounds amazing, especially the narrative, the storytelling associated with that and uh, working all together. That must have been super fun. Thank you. So when they gave you the assets, I imagine those were kind of like high resolution assets and like that. So uh, what particular techniques did you use? Maybe you mentioned a little bit about textures. Is there any other thing that, that you had to do or? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, we ultimately set up an art pipeline that helped compress those assets. Because again, the one thing we want to be very thoughtful about is that um, with Disney and Pixar, like that's a very beloved IP. Anything that they're building, they want it to look at the quality that they've set it at, right? Like that's that they they strive for the highest and that's what they're known for. And so we were really trying to do justice to this by saying, like, great, we have those assets. Obviously, we in like, you know, for a riff, we can't get keep them at the same quality level just because of the actual compute, right? So we have an art pipeline where we ultimately condense down and um, compress those assets first and then use the techniques like, like I talked about in terms of baking and lighting or baking in certain textures. All the other tricks that we would do is um, when in the actual environment, there's certain things that you can get close to and there's certain things you can't. And so basically what we're doing is we're staging to some extent where it's like, cool, like you can walk up to a certain part of the environment up to this far. And when you look at it, it looks amazing and stunning and very detailed. If you were to walk closer, that wouldn't be the case. But we stop you and we do that with ways where it's like there's a planter in the way or there's like, you know, um, some kind of artifice there that you can't. But in other places, you can get really close. And so we spent a lot of time in detail making sure that that area was really detailed, high resolution and didn't really compress down the asset in that way. So those are common tricks that not only we use with Coco, but we use for other virtual reality experiences and augmented reality experience. It's like, what is the user going to focus on? And so we're going to make sure that we put the most detail in that. And then for other things that we can, we can do, uh, you know, ways where we either artificially like block them from moving forward in a way that doesn't feel too constraining or ultimately hide it by putting something else in front of it. That's a higher detailed element. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Um, there are many optimization techniques, and I understand that this is a super important question for many creators, technical artists, uh, developers, etc. So that's why we had to bring it forward. And thank you so much for um, 
helping us and uh, letting us know how a studio of this uh, type of um, scope that building these type of projects do it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So um, is there uh, any other projects that you have developed in VR or AR actually, maybe perhaps AR that you feel like that you'd like to speak a little bit about how was it or how um, interesting it was for you or something like a highlight? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the other experiences that, you know, we're using the same techniques that we talked about in Mission ISS and Coco VR that we've done in recent years is um, an experience called Expo Explorer. And that and that is an augmented reality experience as well as a 3D experience on mobile. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the experience itself is capable to be in virtual reality, but a large part of the experience is augmented reality. Mm -hmm. And the conceit of that uh, project was that we worked with the... Um, we work with Dubai and the um, and the Emirates to ultimately do a World Expo. And so um, a World Expo, as you know, happens every several years and is an opportunity for countries to come together and to show innovations and in technology, innovations in industry. And they came to our organization and said, we want to be able to show what is possible in augmented, in augmented reality and virtual reality for the future. Like, what is the future of what this looks like? And, and we worked with them and created a vision where we said, Let's actually blend physical and digital realities together. And what that turned into was that ultimately you could walk around a physical site in Dubai and be experiencing a physical expo with augmented reality layered on top. So you could see different elements from the culture of the um, UAE and from their history and, or from different countries and learning more about those countries through augmented reality. And so we felt like that was not only a really great technical art challenge again, where it's like, you know, how do you get something to look really good? on a mobile device in augmented reality, maybe when it's hot outside, <laughs> which, yeah. is a, which is a constraint. But then also, how do you um, weave and tell a story um, when there's a physical reality right next to it that looks really crisp and real, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do you deal with that from an artistic standpoint? And then also, how do you deal with that from a design standpoint when you know that you have a physical reality that has something very interesting to look at, along with the augmented reality that should be adding and enhancing that? Yeah, yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. Is there any way that people could uh, take a look at this? Is it available somewhere or that was a particular for that event? No, absolutely. Um, all three of these experiences I talked about today, we have on our website at magnopus.com. And we actually have, um, we have more information you can read about each of those titles and links to be able to download those titles or to be able to access them if you want to play them yourself. Oh, that's super exciting. Thank you so much. It's been so, so lovely to talk to you today, Daisy. Um, Daisy is such a busy person, of course, for her role, but she was super kind to come here to us and share these uh, minutes of valuable time with us. Thank you so much, Daisy. Is there anything else that you wish I had asked you today? No, this was great. And thank you so much for having me. I love talking about the work that we do and happy to share. So Yes, thank you so much and see you in the next episode. Bye for now.